I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 191. I can't believe we're just a couple weeks away from 200 Sinister Sightings. Ooh. My butthole still puckers that we're going to run out of stories. <laughs> but let's jump right in. Aloha, ladies. Sending you lovelies all the love from Hawaii. I started listening to your podcast about a month ago and have been binge listening while at work and at home. I love you two ladies. I'm always laughing because you two remind me of my bestie and I, all the weird and funny shit we talk about. My papa, grandfather, passed away on March 28, 2021 due to lung cancer. The cancer has spread so much, the ICU doctor had to put him on intubation. Since his lungs were depending on the breathing tube, the doctor couldn't do anything else but keep him comfortable. This was sudden death in my family, and we weren't expecting this, but before his passing, we were all by his side, crying, laughing, and just telling stories about him. The night before he passed, I was getting ready for bed. My husband had put our kids to bed, and he and I were settling in. As I started dozing off, I could hear my husband snoring away. Lucky asshole, he can always fall asleep before me. As soon as I fall asleep, I notice I'm in a room, and the energy in this room is peaceful and calm. I saw myself in a mirror, and I'm a little kid. As I turn around the room to look some more, I see my papa sitting on the edge of his bed, and he's smirking at me, like he used to growing up with him. He looks like his younger self, and as he's looking at me, I see rays of sunlight coming through the window. He tells me to come and sit on the bed with him. As I do, he holds my hand, he looks at me, and says, Everything is okay. I'm okay and not in pain. I wake up the next morning and my husband and I dropped our kids off at school and I head up to the hospital. As I'm sitting by my papa, the doctor comes in to talk to my mom and tells my mom there's only so much we can do and how he's going at this point, we're just going to keep him comfortable. So my mom, as the strong woman she is, gave the okay to take him off intubation. He went peacefully and didn't suffer. His death affected all of us. A month before he passed, he started opening up and was more affectionate towards all of us. What hit me the most is I got to hear him tell me I love you multiple times, and growing up, it was very rare for him to say that. Years of growing up as a kid, that's all you ever wanted to hear from your parents and grandparents. Knowing I got to hear that makes me happy, and he's always here. Logical thinking is my mind is coping and putting me at ease that he's okay and not in pain anymore. But the spiritual side of me said he visited me in a dream and wanted to show me his heaven and he's okay. That's what I'm going with. Thank you, lovelies, for all that you do and keep pushing me through the day. I love you, ladies. Sorry for such a long story and some misspellings. Keep up the wonderful work. Aloha, Nona. I love your name and I hope I said it right. <laughs> it is really pretty. Yeah, I definitely think that was him. Mm-hmm. I'm glad y'all had those moments, though, before he did pass. It's hard when there's somebody in your family that doesn't say I love you a lot. So I'm glad you got that before he passed. So, you know, there's a fine line between people sharing, like, oh, I had something like that happen to me, and then being a one-upper. Mm -hmm. And I don't ever want to be a one-upper, but I wanted to say, I do know what that feels like, because my dad was not one growing up to say he loved me. And Tiffany, be my witness, <laughs> that ninth grade, we were going to her house, and like she lived down the street, and I always say, love you sometimes to coworkers. So there's that. That's weird. But um, I was shutting the door and he said he loved me too. And like me and Tiffany both looked at each other like, did he just say what? And like, we're like, just keep walking. But then the older he got, 
the more he would say it. Mm-hmm. But it was like just to finally have him say it, like that was a huge thing. But me and my mom, like we said, I love you all the time. To and, everyone. Yeah. Which there's nothing wrong with that. But like y'all were more, well, like I said, you said it to everybody. Yeah. Okay, the next one. Hey, babes, I told you many moons ago that I would write in about my very own grinning man, but I kept forgetting. Oops. So here I am. This happened to me when I was a teenager. I've always suffered from insomnia, not the kind where I can't fall asleep, but the kind where I wake up sometime in the night and then can't get back to sleep, which I feel is almost worse. You get a taste of that sweet, sweet REM, and then it's gone like a fart in the wind. So not fair. Anyway, if for some reason I would not close my door, I would awake to find this thing staring at me from the doorway. It, or he, was tall, lanky, with a terrible posture. His shoulders were hunched and he was clothed in this black robe that almost seemed to fade into the background so you could only really see his horribly pale face and hands. His face was long with dark, sunken-in eyes. His arms seemed impossibly long with impossibly long, thin fingers ending in blackened nails. But what really scared me was his grin. His smile went almost from ear to ear and, well, drooped to the bottom of his face. Everything about him almost seemed stretched, like someone pulled his features to make them unsettling long. His teeth were jagged and big, and this thing would just stare at me, smiling this awful grin. Now and then he would move from the doorway into the corner of my room, but never got closer. I was told once when I was young by a neighbor that I had angels surrounding me, and once I saw them in the hospital when I was close to death after complications birthing my first child. So I like to think I was protected. Not sure what this grinning man's intentions were, and I never want to find out. I haven't seen him in years, thankfully, and don't feel like I'll see him again. Anyway, that's my terrifying teenage experience involving a version of the grinning man. Love you all so much. Meg from rural Wyoming. You're welcome, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect that you got that story. Ugh. That's creepy as fuck. Yes. That might be creepier than the Grinning Man stories that I told. Whew. I don't like when things are stretched and like distorted like that. It really gives me the heebie-jeebies. Well, hopefully he doesn't come back. And it sounds like maybe he couldn't get closer to you because of your angels. Okay, the next one. Hey, y'all. It's one of your favorite creepsters here. I just love y'all and your podcast. I finally listened to all recordings, and now I'm re-listening to them. I'm going to give you some short stories. Sinister sightings or just weird things. Who knows? So, when I was young, I used to see a witch hiding in our shower all the time. I always made someone go to the bathroom with me and move the shower curtain. As soon as they'd move the shower curtain, she'd leave. If I moved the curtain, she just stood there, never talked or anything. I've had someone yell my name when I've been home with only my daughter and she sat beside me. She heard it as well. My daughter had asked to sleep with me. She had been having some issues sleeping. So when we got to bed and hours later, both were awakened by music playing in my bedroom. I had no TV, no radio in my room. I got up and looked for the source and found nothing. No alarm clocks, no cell phones, nothing. She and I were sitting on the couch, and she goes to the restroom, comes back, and asks me why I scrunched the rug up. I'm like, what? I didn't. Yet, it was bunched up in the middle of the floor. 
nowhere near where she walked. Several nights later in my bedroom, we had a ball pit set up in our room for the ferrets, and it starts sliding across the room. There were no animals in the room with me as I don't allow them. No idea how or why this did that. My daughter's room was in the basement. One night, she saw a tall, dark figure standing seven foot tall or taller, standing at the foot of her bed. She tried to get away, but somehow he always blocked her from getting out of bed. I think this was sleep paralysis. She's not so sure. This was just a few of the weird paranormal stories. I have tons more. I'll write in more later. Much love, Brandy. What the hell with that witch? (laughs) What the hell with that music, though? True. Also, you don't have a TV and you don't keep your cell phone in your room? No, I think that she does keep her cell phone. That's what she was saying is that... It wasn't a cell phone. Yeah, it wasn't the cell phone making the noise for sure. Oh, okay. That does sound like a sleep paralysis thing, but what I'm picturing is like... He, like, barricaded the bed. Like, she's, like, crawling around the bed trying to get out. So, yeah. that doesn't sound like sleep paralysis. Right. But if she's just, like, stuck in the bed and wanting to move and can't, that's SP. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Flash to next episode, and you just jokingly say that. I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I'm never going to remember that. The next one. Ghost with no boundaries. Hey, gal pals. My name is AJ. I love the Sinister Sightings episodes, and I thought I would add my own story in. Also, is this you as a ghost? (laughs) A ghost with no boundaries. (laughs) I live in Nashville, Tennessee, honky-tonk town. I moved there for college, and after living on campus for two years, it was time to find an off-campus place. I moved into a small 700-square-foot, two-bedroom apartment with my best friend of two years. We're still living together now, two years later. She's my rock and gets me like no person I could ever expect to meet. In our small apartment, both of our bedrooms open into the living room kitchen. It's not an old building, but it is in a historic neighborhood. We have the rule of, if it wasn't the other, don't get mad, it's a ghost. Our ghost has, in fact, no boundaries. You're in the shower with the door closed. No, you're not. It's wide open. You're taking a nap in your room in the pitch black with your blackout curtains. No, you're not. The ghost wants to come on in. I didn't think ghost had thumbs, but apparently ours does. Apparently, our ghost also has an affinity for Elton John, as do I. So every time I turn it off to study or clean or lay on the floor, the ghost turns it on. The only time our very bossy ghost has ever been an issue is when the ghost opens the door to one of our bedrooms when we're changing. And when we find our undergarments laid out on the couch when they were clearly in our dresser. In our head, we have named the ghost Chad because he seems like a horny fraternity brother. We set up the boundary with Chad that as long as he doesn't fuck with our sleep, he can creep it real. All right, hope you liked our honey ghost Chad. Creep it real and don't get scared, AJ. You can't be opening the door when somebody's in the shower. It makes it cold up in there. What if you just shaved? (laughs) Two bumps for days. For real. Well, I hope Chad's not an actual person, though, because uh, you might think it's a ghost, but it might actually be someone living in the walls. The call's coming from inside the house. (laughs) Also, that ghost would be really strong to pick up my drawers. Ma'am. Okay, ma'am, I thought your shirt was panties. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's my size. (laughs) It doesn't take any extra strength, though. Tylenol. Get it? Extra strength. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Hmm. Mine would be an ascot on the fucking... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the next one. 
Hey ladies, please do not use my name, even though you totally spelled it correctly on my Creepinati mail, which means a lot. Also, I'm from Houston, Texas. So when y'all talk about your time there, it really makes me smile. First, the two short stories. Oh, because they titled this, Two Listener Stories and a Heartfelt Thank You. My husband is active duty military, and I also work for the military, but for a different branch. Needless to say, we live in different states. So picture it. I'm living alone in my tiny second floor apartment near Lake Michigan. One night, I'm laying in bed and I hear bang, like something large ran into the building. My bedroom looks out on my balcony and I shit you not, there's a whole grown ass man walking towards my sliding glass door. Apparently, the bang was his creepy ass landing on my damn balcony. My bedroom door does not have a lock on it, so I grab my phone, lean up against it, I dial 911 as I hear him open the sliding glass door. He straight up broke the latch. I scream, get the fuck out of my apartment, then calmly relay the situation to the 911 operator. He comes in saying, where the fuck is my, and stops, clearly realizing he was in the wrong apartment. About five minutes later, the cops show up, but by that time, the guy was gone like a fart in the wind. There was nothing left but the change that fell out of his pocket on my balcony. I left that shit there because bad juju ain't worth 27 cents. I filed a report with the police, but living in the Chicago suburbs, I expectedly did not hear from them again. Moral of the story, get rid of your sliding glass door, even on the second floor. Second story still gives me the creeps. So again, I'm in this apartment and the bathroom is right off the living room. A few months into living there, I noticed that sometimes I see something moving out of the corner of my eye in the bathroom. At first, I write it off as the reflection of the TV. However, it keeps happening. Finally, I look over in time to see a shadow figure disappear behind the door. Some stories call shadow figures peek-arounds, and honestly, that's exactly what it was doing. Peeking around like a nosy neighbor, just watching me. Which is alright, I guess. They didn't really do anything other than watch me. Until one night, I'm sleeping on my stomach, and all of a sudden, I'm awake, but I can't move. My hair's up in a ponytail, and I feel a hand grab my ponytail and lift my head to look at my face. After a few seconds, they gently put my head back down, and I can move again. But I am scared shitless, so I don't. When the overwhelming feeling of dread dissipates, I finally roll over and realize nobody is there. That damn shadow person apparently needed to get an up-close and personal look at my face. I said out loud, you've crossed the line. Please do not do that again. And I never had another problem. Luckily, I have moved out of that hellhole of an apartment and haven't had any issues since. Now for the thank you. Carrie, the way you stand up for people with developmental differences and fiercely defend the vulnerable is incredible. You are truly doing the work of an advocate. And as a former high school teacher who saw the ramifications of child abuse, neglect, and shitty education systems up close, I can say that all of your patients and clients are extremely lucky to have you in their corner. Donna, I found this podcast right after my mom passed away unexpectedly. I was still struggling with even speaking her name, much less tell stories about her. The way you talk about your mom and sister, both their lives and losing them, has helped me move through the stages of grief, and now I can talk about my mom without crying, most days. You help me remember to focus on the good memories and that it's okay to laugh even when your heart is breaking. Thank you both for cultivating such a welcoming and accepting community and bringing light to the issues that affect all of us. Keep on creeping on R. I'm not crying. You're crying. For real. Thank you so much for those kind words. Seriously. We might both be tearing up. That really does mean a lot. Like a lot, a lot. 
Also, you kind of freaking me out because I sleep on my stomach and I thought you can't have sleep paralysis or anything when you're sleeping on your stomach. They didn't have sleep paralysis on their stomach. But it could, I don't know. She said she couldn't move and stuff. They were like hovering right over her. Yeah, true, true, true. And you ain't got no hair to pull, so you're fine. You're right on that. Well, people do find a way to pull it. Yeah, but you don't have a ponytail. I mean, like, the way you describe that is like a movie where they, like, lift a head to see if they're alive. Yes. You know, like, oh. ooh. Also, your first story, oh, my gosh. Did you not pick up the coins because of bad juju, like, they were on heads or something? You pick them up when they're on heads. Oh. You don't pick them up when they're on tails. Well, I pick them up all the time. I mean, it, that sounded like silver coins, and you definitely picked those up. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> But I would be losing my shit. Luckily, they were just in the wrong apartment. But holy fuck. Oh my gosh. Well, now they make, well, I'm sure they made them forever. I don't know. But you know, like they have them where it like locks it that you can't move the sliding glass door. Yeah. And stuff like that. Coincidentally, in Houston, you said you like us talking about Houston. That was the first time I ever had a sliding glass door. And I was so nervous when, because Carrie would go and like spend time with her sister or something. And so it would just be me and Marbu there. And as I've said before, I'm a country mouse. And like, there was always someone around because we were in a neighborhood. And I'm like, oh my God, someone's going to come in through the back door. Oh my God, how do I do this? Because <laughs> you can't just like put a chair there, you know, like they mm-hmm. can just get it. Oh, it terrifies me. I don't know if maybe I was like too trusting or I. I don't know. There, I mean, there was very few times that I had that level of fear, like, oh my God, you know? So we did a Secret Santa in Discord for people who wanted to do it. And the person who got my name, they were like, hey, uh, did your package arrive? And I was like, oh, it must be in my mailbox. And she was like, oh, well, I mean, do you want to go check it? And I said, girl, it's at night. Black eyed kids are around. And ever since I heard about that not deer because I got lots of deer at my place mm-hmm. and that dot deer freaked me the fuck out. So I said, at night, I don't go back outside. That's true. You don't. It's really scary outside of your house. Yes, it is dark. Back whenever I smoked, Donna wouldn't go outside with me nine times out of ten because she don't smoke. She ain't going out in that heat. Mm-mm. Totally understand. Our words could be around. Yes. But Donna lives in the country and there's some woods right beside her house and that shit is scary AF because their light outside was like a that purple kind yeah, of yeah like that purpley oh. blue hue oh yeah. so scary uh uh-uh. uh and I'd be like okay hurry up hurry up hurry up hurry up <laughs> no, I didn't like it either oh my god I don't think I've ever told anyone this like Tiffany had a light like that at her old house like when we were growing up and we would be. At night, like jumping on a trampoline or whatever, and her eyes would look weird to me because, you know, it gives you that cast. It looks like you're looking at night vision kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So your eyes are a little weird. I'd be like, what if she's an alien? What if I'm best <laughs> friends with an alien? <laughs> and I stayed there. <laughs> like, okay, let's just keep going. She might be possessed, but hey, it's fun. Of course you would think that. <laughs> it kind of terrified me. And yet, you stayed. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next one. Edibles and creeps don't mix. Hey, gorgeous ladies, it's Sharice writing back with a new story, and this one is hot off the presses, y'all. To be honest, it's maybe a bit more let's not meet than fully true crime, 
but I think it'll give you the creeps well enough. I just got back from our semi-annual girls trip with my bestie, their mom, who I call my bonus mom, and my goddaughter. We didn't go far, just up to Dallas, Texas. We're all Texas-based. So we're on our first day there. We have a nice brunch or lunch and have a few hours to kill before we check in to the Airbnb and hit the pool. So we decided to walk to a kiosk to get tickets for an above ground tram service in Dallas. My friend's phone says it's half a mile, maybe a 10 minute walk. Can do. But let me give a few more notes here. One, I'm an extra large pizza. Two, I have a bad back and walking upright unsupported for a distance can cause my back to lock up. I cracked my tailbone and messed up my spine as a kid. Three, Texas is hot in the summer. Four, I am pale, like really pale. Like set the timer to reapply sunscreen every 25 to 30 minutes pale. Oh, and one last little note, my bestie gave me an edible gummy before setting out for fun and for my back. So we set out on the trek. Pretty soon, what I expected to be like two city blocks turned into a lot more. We got lost, the phone was wrong, and after pauses here and there for me and the rest of us, we make it to the station, only to find that we can't get tickets for the next day like we had planned. At this point, I'm done. I can't do that walk back right now because my back is killing me. We're at the train stop. I'm sitting on a little seat and they're all around me. I say, okay, could you guys come pick me up? It's going to take me a while before I can get back. They ask if I'm sure and then we locate some benches nearby in the shade I can wait at. I tell them I'll move in a few more minutes once I have a chance to stretch my back. So they leave and I'm just resting on my seat. I'm not alone and that feels fine for the moment. There's been a guy on the bench across from me this whole time. I slowly become aware he's looking at me a lot more. And I get the sense he's going to talk soon. So I stand up to walk away to my little shaded bench spot. And as soon as I do, a train pulls up blocking my way. So I'm like, shit. Oh, well, these things leave fast. I'll wait. And as if on cue, the guy speaks. Which train are you taking? Oh, I'm not actually. I'm just waiting for my family. You live here? Uh, nope. Just visiting. In my head, I'm trying to tell myself this guy's just being friendly. And this is normal and not to worry. Just don't give too much away about yourself. He keeps talking. Oh, okay. I'm new here too. There is a lot to learn. When did you get here? Oh, uh, just today. When do you leave? Here for the weekend. He said he was from Hawaii and there was a lull after the train moved. So I said, well, better get going and walked off. Now, the bench area was really just across a four-lane street, set back in some trees. I made my way to a nice spot and kind of leaned my head back. That gummy was coming around and I was feeling pleasant. I texted my friend that there was a weird guy, but I was okay. I had a 7% phone battery and then just tried to feel the breeze on my skin. I had probably two nice minutes of vibing and then the guy walks really close to me on the phone. I don't know if it was a real combo or not, but he walked past me out of my line of sight. I still felt uneasy though. I knew he wasn't gone. About three minutes or so pass, and I'm starting to relax a tiny bit, and then he reemerges. He walks into the little square I'm sitting in and gets off his phone. He says, ugh, I had the wrong time for my meeting. It's not until nine. Oh no, that's too bad. It's quiet. We can drink here? He asks. I say, what? And he repeats, and I was like, oh, uh, I don't really think so. Are you going to tell on me? No. 
Here, please have a beer with me. He reaches into his bag for another beer. Oh, no, thank you. I don't really drink beer. I don't really remember all the combo now. I covertly texted my friend, I'm getting scared now. The man from the train followed me. I keep considering calling my husband or someone, but I'm mindful on my low battery. So you're married? Yes. Ah, uh, that's too bad. How long? Nine months. Oh, well, that's new. For some reason, that perked him up. I answered we'd been together 12 years, so it's not really new. He asked about kids and a lot more personal stuff. Wanted to know where I lived, how far was that from Dallas, etc. The whole time he's scooting closer to me. All I can think is all those stories I've heard. Don't piss him off. That could be bad. Don't tell him too much. Also bad. Be aware of your surroundings. Tell someone if you can. Hell, I was even considering dropping something from my purse to show I've been there. And then suddenly, honk! My bestie in her bright yellow car pulls up. I jump from the seat and say, oops, that's me, bye. And practically run to the car and slam the locks down. They hadn't gotten my text, but their mom was really worried about having left me behind. She said, even in The Walking Dead, they left the guy a gun. So that's it. It was scary. And honestly, I don't know if that man had called someone to say there was a girl alone or if it was all innocent, but I don't want to encounter that again. Also, super grateful that I didn't fully start feeling that gummy for another 20 minutes, or I would have been on my ass. Damn, a low battery. Like, of course your battery was low, too. So you can't just, like, distract yourself and be like, "Mm, sorry, I'm working, because your phone battery's low, too. Even if it is all innocent, people need to learn boundaries. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk to you. Like, just because we're both out at this public place does not mean I want to talk to you. In fact, it's the opposite. I don't want to talk to anyone. So, bye-bye. Girl, when you said y'all are walking to get tickets, I was like, "Mm mm-mm. Nope. Would have drove, had like Carrie uh, jump out and get the tickets. Right. Circled the block while (laughs) I was getting the tickets. Do you know that I I still have dreams of trying to go buy tickets to the light rail in Houston? Literally, maybe only did that one time while I lived there. Maybe twice going to the the rodeo. You know, parking at that Fannin Street lot if y'all live in Houston and then riding to the rodeo Uh and then riding back. I'm like, why do I still have dreams of going there and trying to buy the tickets? I don't know. But I would be just like you thinking... Okay, like, what do I tell him? Do I give him this information? Or, like you said, don't make him mad, but don't give him so much information. I See, and I don't like talking to people, so I would have been like, yeah. Like, are you married? Yeah. How long? Not that long. Or, we've been together a long time. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I would have just given such short answers that, I don't know if they would have gotten the hint or not. But But she did. She gave him short answers, too. You write about that. I'm in between. I don't like just ask all those questions or anything, but I mean, I go to a lot of doctor's appointments, so I'm in the waiting room and it depends. You know, you just got to feel people out. And so sometimes I'll talk, sometimes I won't. But I hate when people sit down and they just like instantly start talking. And I'm like, wait, what? Are you talking to me? Or are you just talking out to see who's going to like take the bait? And then I'm always the one who's like, oh. Because I'm like, what are they saying? And then it bites me in the ass. That's so true, though. They will do that. They'll just, like, talk out loud and see who acknowledges them. Yes. All right, the next one. Hola, chicas. Love your podcast and truly enjoy everything you do to make a thousand quality content. 
I think I have a story for you. I'm from Virginia, but would rather remain anonymous just because my partner is a little self-conscious about this kind of thing. Otherwise, I'd put it on blast because I love this shit. Anyway, my new, at the time, boyfriend, I'll call him P, and I went to go visit my family in upstate New York from Virginia for Thanksgiving a few years back. We stayed at my grandmother's old circa 1800s farmhouse where multi-generations of my family have lived and died. It's where I always stay when I visit, and it's so comforting to me since I basically grew up there. Well, I stayed in my aunt's old bedroom upstairs right between two staircases. I should say my boyfriend is Argentinian, who looks the part in the best way. Myself and my family are super whitey white bread farm stock folk. Did you say folk? Folk. (laughs) I don't, did I? Yes, you did. (sighs) No, I didn't. I said folk. Just like I said snippet and not snippet. Uh-huh. I say snippet. You did not then. Okay. And they say this will be important later. English is a second language, and it was the first time he met my extended family, and I'm sure he was overwhelmed. Looking back, I feel bad not being more attentive to his behavior, also important later. So I take him to the usual sites around the farm. We have fun. He experiences what actual northern winter weather is. And the night before Thanksgiving, we go to a party at my cousin's house. My family is straight, salt-of-the-earth, rural people who love their parties as much as they love to tell people they wake up at 4 a.m. to milk the cows. It's a lot. The kind who have those work-hard, play-hard stickers next to some kind of gun on their John Deere tractor... Anyway, we're at this party, and he's meeting all my cousins and aunts and uncles and cousins' kids and everything. We get pretty toasty and head back to my gram's house to go to bed. Except for my gram, who was asleep downstairs, everyone else was still at the party. And there was no one else in the house. Apparently, I was toastier than P, because as soon as I got up to our bed, I passed out. P was tired, but wasn't immediately tired, so he stayed up phone scrolling. This is what he told me. About 15 minutes after we plopped into bed, P heard clear footsteps coming up the stairs to his left. We were sleeping with no lights on except for his phone. Then he noticed our door, which was almost closed but not latched, creak open. Inside the door comes a dark figure, kind of like a big cloud of smoke, but in the shape of a person. Open the door and enter, standing in the doorway as if it was looking at him. P is still on his phone and tried to ignore it. But the dark figure makes clear, audible steps toward the bed on his side. Probably five feet closing in. So P is now staring straight at this thing. The figure stands next to the bed where P is laying and he starts to freak out. He taps and shakes me to wake up. But I was so wine drunk asleep I didn't wake up. The whole time this dark thing stood right next to him. He was shaking me trying to wake me. But again, wine drunk sleep. I couldn't be bothered despite him literally shaking me violently to wake up. I never did. The black figure moved to the foot of the bed where P said it looked at both of us like it was staring and the feeling he got was not pleasant. It was a feeling full of disgust. This lasted for maybe two minutes. Then he saw it walk away to the opposite end of the room where there was a vanity set with drawers. He heard the drawers open and close, open and close, and open and close again and again. He said the entire time he couldn't breathe. He was so frightened. Then he saw the figure walk to the other end of the room, walk into a closed closet where it disappeared. He gave up on trying to waken me at this point and just tried his hardest to sleep and forget the whole thing. But he told me he didn't sleep a wink the whole night. He thought this thing was going to leave the closet and come back and hurt us. 
The next day was Thanksgiving, and you can imagine the joy my family felt through the whole house. We made food, told stories, laughed, watched old movies, and did as we always do for the holiday. P, however, never said a thing about what he saw the night before. He never showed any discomfort or anxiety or weirdness at all. And we spent the whole day at my Graham's house, the same house he saw this horrible thing. This is part why I feel terrible about not noticing anything. We had a wonderful Thanksgiving and we had conversation whether we should leave the next day or stay through the weekend. Pete obviously opted to leave the next day. I don't know how he slept through the night in the same bed with nobody knowing what happened, but he did and we left early the next morning. It wasn't until the 10 hour drive home to Virginia where he told me what happened. At first, I was horrified at what he experienced and I felt ashamed he felt he couldn't tell me about it. Then I told him about the actual family history of the house. Now, every single one of our family members have either seen or felt something, and it's likely our family members who have lived and died there. If he'd told us, we all would have believed him, but I understand him not wanting to sound weird or disrespectful or rude. We probably could have told him exactly what I told him. Little Grandpa was not cool, and he ain't a happy ghost. I told him about when I was living there for a few months after college. I felt scared when sleeping upstairs and asked into the empty room where I slept for any spirits to please not scare me. And from then on, I slept soundly. I told him my great-grandpa, little grandpa we called him, had lived his last years and died in the room we stayed in. How the last years of his life were so darkened by dementia and illness and how mean he used to be to my mother and her siblings because, well, he was a mean old man. When we got home, I called my mom and told her peace story, and she was not surprised at all. In fact, she verified many of the details. The size of him, he was actually a little man, just by the size of the dark thing peace saw, and that he was very racist, which makes sense that the thing came into our room, made P, a very Latino, dark-haired, definitely non-white dude, very uncomfortable. My mom said that my little grandpa was the kind of guy who, if he saw one of his kids date a non-white person, he would have been very upset. Because, you know, 1960s, racist, mean, old, white, dementia dude. It makes a lot of sense to me now, but I still feel terrible about it. So P has had several other incidents in the years we've been dating, and he's told me about them, and every single one I trust because, believe me, P is a sensitive. I haven't seen anything yet, but I believe him 1 million percent in everything he tells me. I don't know what's creepier, hearing P's stories or realizing there was mean old little grandpa spirits leering at me while I was sleeping and scaring the living bejesus out of my lovey. Or maybe it's the fact that if I tell my family this story, no one is surprised. My gram died last August and I miss her with all my heart. I feel like I could have spoken to her about this and she would have not been smug, surprised, or judgmental. She liked P a lot and told me so. I only wish she could have spent more time with him outside of the family house, which P swears he'd never step foot in, understandably. Anyway, love your podcast and hope you enjoy this story. Not getting scared, not really, since forever. Love, L. How did he go to sleep after seeing that? <laughs> he didn't. That's what she said. True. Do you know how mad I would have been at someone not waking up? Oh my God. You want to know that you would not be sleeping the rest of the night after said little uh, grandpa went away? Uh -huh. Because I would have made sure your ass woke up so that I could tell you how pissed I was at you not waking <laughs> yes. the fuck up. <laughs> exactly. Especially if you're not waking up because you're drunk and I'm not. <laughs> oh my God, that's a whole nother level. 
I love, though, how he was like, just ignoring it. How can you ignore it? I would have been like, oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, God. See, I would have been waking you up from the moment I saw something. From the moment the door creaked open. Uh-huh. I would have been waking you. I don't know what I would have had to do. Maybe bite you. I don't know. But you better <laughs> believe I would have done it. I'm afraid he can. Same. Okay, the last one. Sinister sightings, MySpace style, and more. Hey, lovelies. Thank you for all you do and keeping me sane during the long days at a soul-crushing job. First, the short stories. One night when my dad was a preteen, he was in bed reading. He kept hearing branches hit his window, but ignored it. Suddenly, the blind flipped up, and when my dad looked at the window, he saw two bright eyes staring back at him. After biting the bed sheets with his asshole, he realized that it was his cat's reflection from on his bed. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> biting the bed sheets with his asshole. <laughs> oh my god, that's a visual. Yes. Second story. This one also involves my dad. When my parents were first married and living in a duplex with the newborns, myself and my brother, one night they hear banging and yelling from outside. It was like 2, maybe 3 a.m. and some dude was at their door yelling about his money and trying to break in. My dad got up and told my mom to keep an eye on us kids and called the cops. From what my dad tells me, he went to get his shotgun, but sadly it was taken apart to be cleaned. With the man still shoulder-checking and kicking the door, my dad decided his best bet was to push a chest of drawers down the stairs to block off his entrance. Before he could, however, the cops showed up and calmed everything down. They explained they didn't see anyone when they arrived. About five minutes later, one cop calls my dad over to our cars in the duplex's parking lot. There, he shined his light on a pair of feet sticking out from under my dad's Bronco. Holy shit. Turns out the dude was drunk and looking for my teenaged half-brother for some drug money he owed him. When the dude saw the cop, he ran off, but he didn't get too far before he took a Dixie over a small stone wall. He had rolled under the Bronco and passed out. One cop told my dad that personally, he would have shot the dude through the door. Last story. Almost 15 to 20 years ago, I worked at a store like Target. I was very depressed and lonely. While working there, I met a slightly older girl, I was 20, she was about 35, who was very quiet. It never really progressed past casual, hey, what's up, while at work. Not too long after we met, I started getting messages and likes on my MySpace page. Some were from the girl I worked with, let's call her Maggie, and the others were from a girl saying her name was Lily. Even online, my relationship with Maggie was platonic, but friendly. She had made her feelings for me known, but I politely didn't reciprocate. Still, we remained friends. Then Lily started commenting and messaging me a lot. We kind of hit it off, as they say, and eventually started online dating. Most of you probably guess where this is going, but ignore how dumb I was. In her words, she was a cancer patient in a hospital. At first, everything was going great, but as months went by, Lily started getting very possessive and jealous of any girls I would interact with, except for Maggie. One day at work, Maggie gives me a breast cancer pin, which I gladly accepted and wore on my uniform. Later, online talking with Lily, she says, oh, I like your pin. Just then, it dawned on me that I hadn't shared any photos of that pin, let alone told Lily yet. So clearly, Lily was Maggie. 
The cold sliver that cut its way into my belly in that moment I still ache from today when I think about it. I'll never forget how dumb, confused, heartbroken, and scared I felt. When I nervously interrogated Lily about it, she tried to explain and backtrack, but her lies had come undone. The amount of effort and time Maggie spent pretending to be Lily was chilling. She was doing all this while at work sometimes, too. She had lied about being a dying cancer patient, lied about being raped while we were together, and lied about loving me. I had a breakdown and tried to kill myself. That's a whole nother story. Her con had worked so well because of my mental state and how good she was at doctoring photos and acting like a different person, as Lily was the antithesis of Maggie. As I slowly recovered, blocking Maggie and quitting that job, she tried reaching out to explain why she did it. She said she really did love me and that she was just too shy and awkward in real life. Yeah, bitch, me too, but I didn't catfish you and lie. She faded away from my life, but truthfully, I still keep tabs on her for my safety. And yeah, looking back, it was very obvious what was happening, but I was a dumb, lonely kid. Thanks again, lovelies, and stay safe. Much love, Nick. Well, I will say, though, we do know so much more now about catfishing. Mm -hmm. and I mean, there wasn't a word for it back then. Right. Because why would somebody lie to you about all that? Like... You know, it, it, like, why would somebody go through all of that effort and yada, yada, yada? But people do. And obviously, it really happens. And I think that having so many people, like, from the show Catfish, the movie, mm-hmm. and then, I forgot his name, the football player, and hell, even Mary from Sister Wives. Like, having more people that tell their story, we learn more about it. But it's very easy to sit back and be like, oh, saw that coming. Oh, gosh, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe you fell for that. But you also have to think about, you just said this was on MySpace. Like, nobody knew any of this was even possible Mm -hmm. because everything was new. So, yeah, it's real easy to look back in 2022 and be like, you were so being catfished. But uh, in 1999, when you were going (laughs) through this... Nobody fucking knew anything about that. Right. And how you said your mental health right then, all of that really does go into it. And makes you more vulnerable. Yes. It makes me so mad and like breaks my heart when people catfish with with lies like that. I mean, I know catfishing is lies, but like saying that you were raped, saying yes. that you had cancer, all of those things. I'm like, I get it. Look, I have catfished someone before. I was insecure about my weight and everything, and I was much younger, but I never was like, oh my God, I can't meet you because I almost got in a wreck and my friend died. And you weren't any of that either. It was just, you didn't send a picture and you're, you right. didn't, you know, you weren't catfishing them. You yeah. just weren't telling them the whole truth. <laughs> Which is terrible too. But yeah, oh gosh, that is so scary. And that you worked with her. That's the thing, too, that I don't understand. I'm like, so you went to work every day and kept up the charade. How did you do that? I don't know. You know her asshole puckered when she said she liked her pen. Uh Uh-huh. She was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I didn't mean to say that. Thank y'all so much for sending all these stories in. If you want your story read on an episode, send it in to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.